This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and only things office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hi everybody, it's Hannah Gray back with another episode this week of the Office Manager Diaries and I'm delighted to be joined by Caroline Rees-Williams who is the Operations Manager at Velasco Group. Hi there Caroline. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I, I, honestly, it's it's. I absolutely love doing these, and I know every week I say I'm excited, and it's my pleasure. But it it really is. I truly mean that. So thank you for sharing some of your time with us on the Office Manager Diaries today. Let's kick off. If you can just firstly tell me how you got into office management, and a little bit more about your role now as the operations manager. In terms of how I got into office management, I think. It's possibly what quite a few other people say. I kind of I stumbled into it by accident. So I left school and I went to Birmingham University and I did economics. Admittedly, just because my big brother did it, and I thought, why not? It should open some doors. So I kind of I survived that and I I left uni. And you know, you have that summer where you're still at, you know, you're back at home and you're wondering what to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do. Having done economics, I I knew I didn't want to go to one of the big four. I don't know why I felt so passionately about that, you know, at 21 years old, but I did. I knew I didn't want to be, you know, one of 500 people working ridiculous hours at 21 years old on a grad scheme. So I was having this conversation with my parents and my mum just said, why not get a very junior office job? You're very organised. You know, my mum's been in admin roles her entire career and she said, you know, it comes very naturally to you. It doesn't have to be what you do for the rest of your life, but just to get a foot in the door, get some office experience and also just get, to get some money in. So that's where I went to my first very junior office administrative role. Um, it was just for, it was the company in off of Bond Street in London. And it was very basic, you know, shredding, printing, filing, everything that bit mundane, but it's what you have to do to kind of get your foot in the door. And I was there for about a year, again, not thinking that I would stay there. And then where I think the office management piece really started to come to light for me is my next role was at a headhunting company in Chancery Lane, and it was a dual role. So it was it was half EA to one of the managing partners, but it was half project coordinator. So it's an administrative role, but you're project coordinating basically this, these searches. Um, so whether it's, you know, scheduling all of the interviews, it's going through the CVs, formatting the documents, the candidate reports, you know, joining update calls, taking notes, et cetera. And it kind of, it just opened my eyes. I think not I wasn't conscious of it, but it opened my eyes to the fact that you can have this dual element of a role. You don't just have to be the assistant. There's always this other piece. Um, and so in the London office, I think there were four or five project coordinators as well as our front of house coordinator. And kind of between us all, we picked up the office management bit. There wasn't one of us that was designated office manager. But I just really liked the variety that it gave me. So after I was there for nearly four years. So after I left there. I went into a dedicated EA office manager role. And that's really where I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to go down the operations route rather than going down the assistant one. You know, I, I like keeping I like keeping the combination of the two. But if you had to hold a gun to my head and, and say which do you prefer of the two, it's going to be the office manager piece. And so it kind of just it went from there. And then I was at that company for just over a year and then the pandemic hit. And then for the last almost three years now, next next week is my three year anniversary at Valesco. So I joined Valesco pretty much at the start of the pandemic. 
interviewed via Zoom, hadn't met my CEO until probably a month or two after I actually got the role. And it just all it just all fell into place. So Valesco is a real estate investment and asset management company, which is, you know, in, in simple terms, and for those of us who aren't in, in, in the investment or asset management teams, we buy, manage, and then sell real estate around the world. We currently have five office buildings around the world, and we have reached an AUM to asset under management of 2.5 billion euros. It also, I think what it ticked for me as well was I hadn't used my economics degree up until this point. I kind of, it dawned on me that what's the point of going to university and having done such a difficult degree and then not actually touching on it. So what I really liked about the Valesco role was it had the dual kind of EA office management piece, but it also allowed me to have a little bit of finance, even though I'm still not in the investment team. And then to ask your second question in terms of what I actually do at Valesco. So there are nine of us. Predominantly, there's our CEO, there's our there's our SLT, and then there you can split the guys kind of into the investment and the asset management teams. And then outside of that sits myself as the operations manager, now operations manager, and then my lovely colleague Antonella, who is our office assistant. And so I basically say, if anyone asks, Antonella and I do everything that isn't the investment and the asset management. So it's all of it's all of the office management, it's the meeting and greeting of guests, it's the answering the main line, it's the, you know, stocking the stationery cupboard, making sure the kitchen has always got everything they need in it. And then it's also the more complicated bit. So as operations manager, I'm also, I touch a lot of different verticals. So whether that's kind of social media, HR, I am one of the trustees of our foundation um, that I helped set up. I basically touch everything that isn't the actual core revenue generating parts of the business. It's like one of the people at the office management show said to me lately when I said to them in my seminar, describe your role or something. And they, you know, or when, when someone asks, what do you do? You've pretty much summed it up as everything that those guys there don't do. I do. (laughs) And it's the stuff they don't notice that's done, right? They come in and the office is functioning and they can do their jobs and that's what's meant to be. But behind the scenes, there's, it's all of the IT. I do all of the internal bookkeeping. I make sure people get paid. I do payroll. I do invoicing. I do everything kind of behind the scenes that means that the guys that actually make the money can come in and, and do that to the best of their ability. And that's exactly what our job is, I think, isn't it? To create that environment, to make sure they can get on and do their job, which is make money, support people, give services because it's a charity or whatever else it might be, make a product and therefore sell it and whatever. But yeah, that's absolutely right. And and that that is our role. So. Other than what you've mentioned, how else do you support the staff there at Velasco? And are you responsible for any of the overseas offices? We don't have any overseas offices. So we've we've just got the one office in the UK. So our, our five office offices that we own are around the country, or around the world, sorry, I should say. Um, ah, but, sorry, that's your yeah. that's your assets. I see. Sorry. Yeah. So we've just got the one office here in London, which we moved into in March last year. So we're on Barclay Square and I might be biased, but I think it's the most beautiful building on the square. <laughs> um, in terms of what else I do to support the team at Valesco, um, so I'm the EA to our wonderful CEO Shiraz, have been since um, since I joined almost three years ago. He's actually, in, in terms of, you know, the executive assistant piece, he's pretty self-sufficient. You know, I've I've been EA to several of his other executives in my career, and he's by far the most hands-off in terms of the EA piece. We work exceptionally close on the operations piece just by nature of the fact that there's only nine of us. It means that he's also involved in a lot of the day-to-day operations as well. But in terms of EA, it's quite minimal. Arranging travel, looking at, you know, being the, the soldier and the keeper of his diary, prices and expenses, et cetera. 
but on the operation side, it's pre I say it's pretty much everything. So managing all of the contractors that are needed for the office, so whether that's the cleaners, whether it's our external IT company, who I actually found through the office management group. Um, we've got, you know, the, the coffee machine that seems to break all the time. I shan't say <laughs> the make of the coffee machine. Um, we've got one of those fancy... Yeah, kill my sponsorship <laughs> opportunities on the pod. <laughs> Yeah, one of those fancy taps that now, you know, it. I know maybe we might be quite late on this, but we got it when we moved last year and it's just instant hot water. And now at home, I feel so hard done by when I have to turn a kettle on. Like, I don't have the three minutes that this takes. One of my best friends has got, I can't remember the brand of it, it's the more kind of um, domestic one. A kooka, kooka maybe it might be. Anyway, she's got that in her kitchen and I'm oh, so envious. No. I know. <laughs> if only you could just fix it to like, can it just dispense G and T's? That would be amazing. <laughs> what else do I do? Yeah, so trustee of the foundation. So that that's obviously technically a voluntary part of my role. Um, but when I joined, it was Shraz has always, you know, donated to charity through various verticals in his life. He's an incredibly philanthropic man. Um, but it wasn't official. Um, so when I joined, that was one of the first things he tasked me with, which was registering the Valesco Foundation with the Charities Commission, which was jumping through it, it was a lot of red tape to jump through especially because and it's understandable a charity has to be solely in the interest of public benefit and where a corporate is linked to that charity which it has to be because the foundation is run solely on the profits of the company but where that is the link the charities commission are particularly forensic shall we say uh, in terms of the setup of, of the company of the charity sorry so i i did that in 2021 and then ever since i've been i've been one of the trustees and so i'm solely responsible for the administration of that so whether that's arranging the meetings taking the minutes ensuring the actions are done I project manage the website because I've got a separate website so that there it is a separate entity, um, you know, organizing visits to our grantees, doing all the bookkeeping. Last year, I had our first annual report, which again is a lot of admin. That was a big task that I managed to tick off. And it's now the clock is ticking that the one for 2022 is coming due in a couple of months. So I've got that to look forward to. Other things that I do, I do the internal bookkeeping. So basically, so I create and maintain the office management budget um, alongside our CFO. And through that, it means I also do all of our internal bookkeeping and ensure that everything is paid on time. The last day of every month, I always joke with Antonella. I'm like, Antonella, guess what day it is? Don't talk to me this afternoon. <laughs> it's bookkeeping day. <laughs> Uh, I do expense management. I go through and I prove everyone's expenses. I do payroll, as I said, that happened this morning. I do absence management. I do all the document control as well in terms of the, you know, storing documentation for HR. We Last year, I started using a brilliant um, online platform called Factorial. Um, anyone listening, I highly recommend it. It's, just, it's, it's brilliant in terms of storing all of the documentation for each employee in one place. And you can now get it in one click rather than clicking through, you know, SharePoint, Dropbox, or God forbid, it's, you know, all of their contracts are printed on paper in a drawer, like, <laughs> like was the case when I joined. I do all of our visas. So certainly post-Brexit, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of recruitment involves people coming from outside the UK. Um, and often they need to be sponsored. So I handle all of that. When I first did it, we had a solicitor's uh, law firm helping us with it. And it just dawned on me after the first one or two applications that I think this is something I can I could do myself. So I'm now in charge of that. I handle our private medical care, our content insurance. The list could go on. <laughs> yeah, it really can. And thank you for being so specific because I think it's useful when we get people unlike yourself and you go through the role 
to people that are listening to really feel the gravity of of these roles because I often say you know I don't think people really understand how much how many hats that office managers have to do and like you say there's probably a dozen to a hundred more things that you haven't mentioned there that you're responsible for so yeah I love that you've gone into the detail can you just tell me a little bit more about the trust there and what what exactly it does or what its its aims are so the foundation for so there's 13 charitable purposes um which the charities commission set um and we that's obviously an awful lot of different very worthy causes but um that's a lot to focus on and try and spread yourself amongst so for 2022 and 23 the trustees and i whittled that down to four of focus shall we say um and so the simplified versions of them are for education poverty health and saving lives and then diversity and inclusion and since we started deploying grants at the start of 2022, we've tried to split our allocation, you know, 25% across each of those. What you often find is that a lot of the initiatives that are bring, being brought to us or that we want to be involved in or that, you know, we're, we're match, match funding for tick quite a few of the different purposes. And we've been involved in some brilliant initiatives. When we first, you know, 2021, we basically spent establishing processes, putting policies in place, undergoing trustee training and trying to properly understand, you know, what we were about to undertake. Because, I mean, I speak for myself, but I also probably speak for a couple of the other trustees that it was our first time being a trustee of a charity. And we wanted to do this right from the outset. So we got all of that in place in 2021 and then started 2022 is when we started actually donating and giving grants. And so... We found ourselves in a unique position where we had this pot of money very generously donated from the company but where do you go what do you do it it would be so easy to just you know give thousands of pounds to cancer research uk or to oxfam or to children in need who are all incredibly worthy causes but we wanted to be very very specific with our giving we try to make sure that we donate to organizations that have a yearly revenue of one million pounds or less so it obviously it, it does discount a lot of those bigger names. And we're focused on hand up rather than hand out. We, you know, we want to actually create lasting systemic change rather than just giving some cash just for the sake of cash. So the first partner that that we met with, they were brilliant. It's, they're called the London Community Foundation and they're a charity in themselves, but they effectively are the middleman between corporate foundations like ours and very worthy but small charitable initiatives in London for the London Community Foundation that would typically fall under the radar. And so we met with them, um, the lovely Laura from the LCF, and we effectively said, these are our four purposes for uh, 2022. This is how much money we can give. Can you give us some ideas? And they went away and they came back and they presented three initiatives per purpose. And we just sat around with the table with LCF and the trustees and basically discussed all of them, all took a vote, chose who we were going to donate to for 2022 and it went from there. And so we ended up, so the four grantees that we donated to last year were all incredible. And we had the opportunity to meet with two of them last year. And the LCF were just brilliant because they they handle all of the compliance, which is also something that, you know, we're going into this blind. We don't necessarily know how to do that, how to vet a charitable initiative. They handle all of that for you. They handle the transfer of funds. They help the charities themselves after the grant period, which is typically maybe six or 12 months. They help them put together an impact report. So we, we've got statistics and we've got real life examples as to how we really impacted human lives. 
which is just such a lovely read and it just really sounds cheesy but it just it makes it worth it I think you know I there's a lot of greenwashing going on nowadays and I think a lot of you know a lot of corporates have you know say that they do these charitable things because it's kind of a tick box that people and especially millennials kind of are looking out for now when they're applying for jobs but for Valesco to have so early on in you know in its formation to have committed to not only creating the foundation, but to also donating from our profits, I think says a lot about the company that I work for. And it just, it gives a higher purpose. And I, I know that sounds cheesy. I'm not trying to skirt away from the fact that, you know, we've all got bills to pay and we all want to make money. And we're also, we're, we're in the financial services industry. So I'm not, I'm not shying away from that, but we work incredibly long hours here. And I think, you know, there are times that, you know, you're sat here at 10 PM and you're working on something but if you remember that the more successful the company is, actually the more successful the foundation is, it's just an added driving force to getting to where we need to be because we've got a lot of goals with Valesco, but if we hit those goals with Valesco, then Valesco Foundation are going to hit theirs as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love I love how much you know about it. Clearly, you know, if you if you were there from grassroots setting it up, you're going to, but how passionate you are. And I assume that passion is felt throughout the company as well. So that's that's incredible. And you're right, so many people are greenwashing and culture washing and well-being washing and all the all the different types of washing under the banner of ESG. So it is important to uh to recognize the businesses that actually are making an impact and are making a difference. So there's a whole host of stuff you're responsible there to wrap it up in a really non-succinct way. Stuff is the, the word I'm going for. But what um, what challenges are you facing at present, Caroline? And how are you resolving those? I think part and parcel of the role is there's actually going to be some sort of fire to fight on a daily basis. You know, whether that's really minute, like the printer isn't working and you've got to get on your hands and knees and actually, you know, wiggle some cables around and then magically it works or whether that, you know, it's a lot worse and it's, I don't know, a flight for a really important meeting that one of the executives is going to get cancelled. It's You're firefighting on a daily basis, but in terms of challenges, I'd say it's finding enough time to do it all. I think, you know, as I've got the one, I've got wonderful, wonderful Antonella, but between the two of us, we're still at capacity. And I think that it's one, because we're a small team and there's a lot to do amongst a small, nimble team. But it's also because I think you're never done as the office manager. I think, you know, just because you can take a project, for example, the coffee machine, and you can tick that off. But what's to say that in a year's time, that's actually not a much better offering? Or maybe we don't want that coffee machine anymore because it's actually not very sustainable that the way that those you know the pods are disposed of so actually we want to now go to a you know a, a, a roasted bean solution okay well now I have to start from from step one again and that's a whole new project and I there's also as the team grows which our, our team is growing there's always going to be a, a new problem that you need a new solution or a new piece of software you know to find so I think my challenge is is bandwidth and it it's finding the time to do everything and also on the flip of that knowing when to step away. I, I think I think it's quite typical for an office managers or an EA or anyone within the administrative operations world. I think it's within our personality to be perfectionists, to be people pleasers and to want to get everything done yesterday. And I think something that I do struggle with is knowing when to, you know, when to step back and when to say, Caroline, it's 11 p.m. I know you could sit here and finish writing that policy, but it can wait until tomorrow. And it's learning to try and detach and to try and prioritize and I say that term loosely because 
I think most of what we do is a priority, but it's, it's learning to kind of what's the ultra priority that has to be done that day and and then what can actually wait tomorrow so you can actually try and switch off. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm not the best at that. I mean, even even I didn't sleep very well last night. Uh, our CEO was off to Paris this morning and we changed his train very late last night and he didn't, the seat available, just I know it was one that wasn't going to be optimal for, me, for him. He was completely relaxed about it. He didn't mind, but I mind. Like I want him to be in the seat that, that is going to be most conducive to him being able to work properly on that Eurostar. So I was waking up every couple of hours, checking the Eurostar app, trying to change this seat only to get a lovely message from him this morning saying, Caroline, the seat worked really well, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my goodness. This is the thing. It just it never stops. It's like running home, isn't it? You yeah. you think, oh, my goodness, I've got to pay that bill or I've got to take this to the post office or go and get the dry cleaning or there's all these things personally in our lives that we have to remember to stay on top of. I need to clean my car at the moment. And I keep thinking, should I take it down the road to clean or should I do it myself? I'll do it myself. But my hose isn't working at the moment. There's some sort of leak with it. So I don't want to do it without the hose because it's a big car and it's a bit of a pain. You know, they're just this life yeah, yeah. admin. Bring that into the office and it's so much bigger and you, you're paid to do it. For, so that guilt, it's like mum guilt is yeah. there, isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, is he going to be okay on that that train to Paris? <laughs> Yeah, and time. Oh my goodness, if we could buy time, eh? I know. It's it's an ever growing issue for office managers, and we're getting more and more responsibility, I think, as well. So, but also the more accessible you are to your business, and the better you are, the, your job, you're going to find that you're going to be given more responsibility as well. So do be aware of that, people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. There's a tip for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're full of them. My tip for this week is all about asking for a pay rise. I recently shared a masterclass of this in June for members of the office management portal who are on our premium membership. And I think it's something that a lot of us fear doing. I think a lot of us put it off and some of us probably do it, but go about it the wrong way. It's really important to prepare, research, evidence and back yourself when you are going in to ask for a pay rise. Consider the timing in terms of the company. Do they only do pay rises once a year? as part of the annual reviews or appraisals. If so, prepare for it then and do it then because it's highly unlikely that you will get a pay rise outside of those timeframes. It may well be written into your contract that they will only do a salary review and an increase once a year. So do prepare and be aware of all these different timeframes. Sticking with timing for a moment though, also consider when you're going to approach your manager or whoever you're going to that's appropriate for this and do consider that as well. Who do you need to have that conversation with without going behind people's backs and without disrespecting the people that are you know, authoritative to you in terms of their roles and the hierarchy there. But consider whoever it is you're, you're having that meeting and that conversation with, their workload and their timing. You know, if they sit in a role where month end is really, really busy and stressful for them, avoid that time frame completely and wait until their workload is back to a normal level where you can give them the time, they can give you the time and you can have that sensible conversation for them to process it. Otherwise, the chances are your request is going to go to the bottom of the pile and it won't be heard, it won't be responded to and you're going to have to do some chasing to get that response and potentially have the conversation again. 
When it comes to research, making sure that you are looking at salary reports, maybe asking people in our network confidentially what they earn and the kind of um, profession, the, the kind of sector, sorry, that they sit in, um, the, the level, the responsibilities that they have. Go onto job boards and have a look at active roles that are similar to what you're doing and try and learn what sectors they sit in as well, because sector size and responsibilities will make a difference to what salary you're on in these office management roles. If you're in like a charity um, or media, we often find they're lower paying. If you are in a financial or insurance, very corporate fintech um, investment type institution, you're going to be on the higher end of that salary bracket. So do your research and prepare that evidence so that you can back yourself when you get into the room. Think about how you're going to ask for the meeting. So perhaps say, I'd like to discuss my performance. If you want to give them more of a heads up, so I'd like to discuss my performance and a, re a review of my compensation. But consider how you're going to put that message there. Half an hour, 30 minute meeting is fine. Perhaps you want to do it in one of your regular catch ups with your manager as well or as part of that catch up. And then also how you're going to evidence your successes, your achievements that you have accomplished over the last year or however long it's been since you perhaps had your last salary increase. Put some really succinct, clear bullets so that when you get into the meeting, you can either share that maybe in like a Canva, PowerPoint, Google Slides, format that's really nice and presentable maybe it's on brand with the company as well that shows your achievements and the value that you bring to that business that you always bring and that you're continuing to bring the additional responsibilities perhaps you've had a qualification and you've passed a training course that now makes you more valuable to that business because you know professionally and through an accreditation or a qualification how to do certain things like it might be a CIPD or one of our office management courses an MBA or whatever it might be that makes you more valuable to that business as a result. Get all of that ready, prepare for the meeting, practice in the mirror if you need to on the script of what you're going to say and best of luck in delivering that request for a salary increase. Can you please now for me, Caroline, share something from your office manager diary, one of these you won't believe it but moments if you have one? I have a lot, uh, but it's, it's, it's whether they're able to be shared on a podcast. I'd listened to the lovely Megan's podcast uh, before I joined this today. So I had a little bit of a hint that this question might come up um, as I was racking my brain. I think the most unbelievable story that has happened to me as an office manager, and I will be delicate in my telling of this, not at my current company, might I add. Long story short, I'd basically be given three weeks to organize a company event in Singapore. And there were 30 people going and they were from 19 different locations around the world. And it was a week conference. Um, and it, but it was work hard, play harder. So it was, you know, I had to arrange all the flights, all the hotels, all the conference, the meetings, arrange the schedule, et cetera. But I also had to organize these really, really impressive nights out every night, you know, on the final night. On the final day, sorry, we had a yacht day, for example. We also, we ended up going to quite a few of the locations that were in Crazy Rich Asians. It was a brilliant trip. Um, but prior to this, I'd just come back from holiday. I went to Japan for the Rugby World Cup, which was incredible. And prior to me going, the location for this event still hadn't been decided. I knew it was coming up. We had the date in everyone's diary, but the location still hadn't been decided. So I get back from Japan and I find out it's Singapore. And so I now have three weeks. And I'm the only admin person in the entire office. There were 50 of us. And so I was the EA to the top two guys, but there was 
I was the office manager to look after everyone. So on top of my day job, I had to organize this conference. And so I was, luckily, I was permitted to recruit for attempts just to come on board, not necessarily to help me with Singapore, but to actually try and pick up some of the, the day-to-day office stuff that was going to fall through the wayside because I was focusing on Singapore. So day three, and this person was lovely, um, but day three, while I'm obviously the busiest I've ever been in my life, you know, I'm still in the office at, sorry to interrupt, but my CEO is literally calling me. <laughs> I'm going to put that on divert. There you go. <laughs> oh, the life of an EA. You wanna, um, do you want to take it? No, it's fine. I'll call him back. <laughs> Never stops. Um, yeah, so I'm incredibly busy. You know, I'm working till three, four in the morning, back up at like six, seven, and also really fighting with the time zone difference in Singapore. I, they're seven, eight hours ahead. And so that you're playing constant tag with the individuals in Singapore trying to sort this out. Anyway, on day three, this this lovely individual, and I will repeat that because they really were, um, but they went MIA during the day. And to be honest, I didn't notice for a while because I was really busy and, and they weren't sat right next to me. Um, and when they finally came back into the office, it became very apparent that they were incredibly intoxicated <laughs> and, <laughs> been, um, and had clearly been off drinking all day. And so I had a very private conversation with them and I just said, look, don't worry about it. Just go home, have a bath, like have a rest. No one else knows. I'm the only one that has seen you come back in the office tomorrow and we'll, and we'll start again. And that's what I thought had happened. And so then I go back to my desk and unfortunately, because this person had gone MIA, I set them quite a few tasks that day, including time sensitive things. Like we used to send beautiful bespoke birthday cakes to our general managers across the world. And it was one of their birthdays that day that hadn't happened. So I had to somehow get, you know, call a bakery in Miami and get a cake to them. So I'm trying to say catch up. And then one of my male colleagues comes back into the office, and this must be at like 8, 9 p.m. at this point, and asks me what colour coat that person was wearing. And turns out they had decided to take a nap in the men's bathroom. (laughs) I was looking at Anna's face on mute. No, they fell asleep in the men's bathroom. And I had to obviously try and wake them up and get them safely in a taxi unfortunately for me and that person HR ended up stepping in at that point and it was you know Mm. the the relationship was unfortunately terminated (laughs) um but it it made for a funny story but at the time obviously it it was unbelievable because I mean that's never happened to me before it's also a very awkward conversation this person had come to a recruiter who I know really well who had placed me at that company and also has placed me at Valesco and having a really awkward conversation with them about what had happened And it unfortunately, it obviously completely left me in the lurch for Singapore. So um, I'm lucky I got through Singapore, but it's a funny story to tell now a few years down the line. (laughs) Do you know what I love? I love the fact that you said to them, go home and have a bath. Is that your your hack for getting sober? (laughs) (laughs) I just thought whatever has happened in their day, it's obviously not been a very good day. Something's obviously happened to make them do that. So like, go home, chill. I don't want them to be anxious at all. No one will know. This is our little secret. Come in tomorrow and I'll pretend it never happened. And yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, they decided to take a nap in front of the few in the men's bathroom. My goodness. Were they male or female? Uh, Female. (laughs) Female. Wow. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) It is. It's unbelievable. But it helped me in terms of when I then obviously rung this recruiter, who I've got a very good relationship with, but when I was then applying to jobs and seemingly for Valeska, like, you owe me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> pull, pull that card. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, as you were saying that, it made me think about the amount of people, because I, I thought we were just going down that they didn't turn up the next day thing and maybe with a twist, but um, it made me think about the amount of 
people that we've had in roles, one, one of which was under me, but in other departments where you go in and you set them all up and you do the induction and you hand them over to the team. And then my receptionist will call me and say, they haven't turned up today, but they'll sometimes have placed bets on whether they think they're going to turn up or not, because they'll see them quite a lot throughout the day, like going to the bathroom yeah. or the toilets, um, the kitchen or whatever it might be. And they and they will make a judgment as to whether that person's turning up the next day. And quite a lot of the time, the receptionists tend to yeah. get it right. So, yeah, it always used to make me laugh. They're like, they're, they're MIA, as you say. So, yeah, love that story. It's a bit of fun, though, isn't it? It is. But also, I'm very sorry that it put you under extra stress. But um, at least you're laughing now. I know, true. <laughs> and that person got their birthday cake. So there you go. Oh, Win-win. well, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't believe the breadth of things you had to think about there. But there we are. That is the life of an office manager. So let's go into what you enjoy the most about your role now, please, and why. Gosh, again, I think this is a stereotypical answer, but that no, no two days are the same. You're constantly feeling challenged. And especially, I think, if you're in an environment like Valesco, I think where you, it, because I'm in an entrepreneurial environment, you know, Shiraz is the founder and, and we're still relatively new. There's always something to be done. So I'm very aware that I can put my hand up and just say, do you know what? Actually, I've got an interest in this, this and this, and I'll be given the rope to do it. And um, so I'm constantly feeling challenged. I think as well on the human side, you know, it's big risk, big reward, but being an office manager or being an assistant or being both, et cetera, you are often getting a direct window to the most senior person in the company or, or one of. And as I say, there is big risk because if you mess up, it's the most senior person in the office seeing that. But if you don't and you thrive, you end up having the most unique relationship and access to such influential people in, in the company. You know, I, I have such a special relationship with Shiraz and it means so much to me. But I think if you weren't an assistant or you weren't in an admin or office management role, you pr- probably wouldn't understand it. But I just I feel very lucky to be given the platform through my role that, you know, I get to have this relationship with with our CEO. But also it gives you a very it gives you a very easy opening to everyone in the company. You know, office managers are often the people as well that, you know, we get to see the fun things like organizing events and giving people treats for valentine's day and you know i do payroll so that makes me extra popular and (laughs) so it just means you get it it, you just get closer to people and i think it just especially if you're a people person i think it's a really lovely role and it's a lovely way of building relationships and building rapport with your colleagues yeah it is we are some of the only roles that do interact with every level and have that access like you say that if you if you can get that access and build that relationship, um, you're exposed to all the good things. But yeah, the flip, as you say, if if you're not good <laughs> and you're exposing yourself to the the not so great things, so um, so it it can be a risk, but it, it's really rewarding if it pays off and you get to see the company grow and evolve and all the different things that they're doing strategically to to make that happen. So it is it is good, yeah. and I agree that's a that's a really nice reason to enjoy the office management role in and amongst everything that's crazy that we do about it, including <laughs> people sleeping in the toilet. Um, so again, not at the let's go. <laughs> no, not no. Repeat disclaimer. <laughs> So yeah, so how do you relax and switch off? I mean, you've talked about working some crazy hours, which I know I've been there, you know, 1, 2 a.m. was my average finish time for a long time at JP Morgan and back in at like 9, 9.30 in the morning. How do you make sure that you get time for you and, and switch off and, and relax? I think as I kind of touched on earlier, I'm not the best at it. Um, 
certainly in the last year though something that has been pivotal in making me get better and forcing myself out of my comfort zone to actually switch off and relax is Antonella so our office assistant Antonella she joined us in March last year and while I've as you can tell <laughs> I've, I've managed temps before but Antonella is my first direct report and I've you know, I've learned so much. It's been so enjoyable and I'm so proud of the relationship that the two of us have cultivated. But something that it's really done is it's held a mirror up to me. And, you know, how can I tell her to stop working and go home? Because she's got the exact same personality as me, by the way, two people pleasers together. You know, how can I say to her with a straight face, right, stop now and go home, please. If I'm not doing it myself, I, I can't be a hypocrite. That's not my leadership style. I, I've figured out in the last year or so that I definitely lead by example and it's you know how protective I feel of Antonella her time her health her well-being but also her development has made me I think more cognizant of myself and my own health and well-being so I've got better at it um, but in terms of what do I actually do to relax I'm big on reality tv <laughs> I love I love having like a really long are you watching Love Island? I'm not watching Love Island. I'm watching oh. Vanderpump Rules, which I'm really late on, but oh, it has just blown my mind. The drama is just phenomenal. So I'm big on that. I live on my own, so I like, which I love. Especially, I, th I think I really love it because as an office manager, you're in the office all day and you've got people coming up to you 24-7 through no fault of their own. But, you know, printer's broken, coffee machine hasn't doesn't work. Where's the kitchen roll? Like, it's constant. And so I think then going home and being able to kind of decompress and being on my own and, you know, getting some silent time and just watching, you know, watching some reality TV, I really enjoy. I love the classic. This It feels a bit like an interview. You know, you're trying to, like, I promise I have hobbies. Um, but I... I I love just, you know, going to going to a beer garden in the summer and having a few ciders with my friends. I really love doing that, having a bit of a boogie. And I go to my parents quite a lot. Uh, so they moved out of London probably five years ago now. So they live in the countryside um, and they've got two beautiful dogs. And I just love going there and kind of really decompressing. Like I'm going there tomorrow. I haven't seen them in a month. I'm so excited. So that's kind of that's my real relaxation, kind of just cuddling with the dogs. I wish we could have an office dog. <coughs> Shiraz, if you're listening to this. <laughs> you can have mine she's tiny she's smaller than a cat she's used to being in the office as well I used to take her in every time I did an office move at the weekend but um oh, yeah it's it is hard to 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 switch off but when you were saying that about Antonella it reminded me of a little bit of how I parent my son in that since he's four this weekend and since I've had him I've been really conscious of you know the five different fruit and veg a day and getting a nice balance in his diet and how much exercise we're doing kind of walking or playing and you consciously think yeah. about all these things but then I look at my diet and my exercise and I'm like it's shocking yeah, yeah. I eat really badly some days and don't have any fruit some days and things like that and so it's it's sometimes easier isn't it in some ways to sort of manage someone else's life because you've got that lens on it rather than yeah. actually look at your own and it's a really hard thing to step out of yourself and look at, at you and what you're doing but I think when you start to do that and make it habitual it's it's a bit easier rather than just kind of dipping yeah. in and out so yeah it's it is a challenge and it, it is I love the fact that you you mentioned about the sort of mirror you know shining a mirror on yourself because that's exactly what things like that can do when you see people in a negative way as well when you see people 
you know that you work closely with or you, you you're close in terms of personal relationships and you see them just burn out and you you see that mirror looking back at you thinking oh gosh I'm working to the same capacity or I'm doing the similar sort of thing I've got a similar sort of lifestyle and it's that moment isn't it that helps you to realize so that's yeah. that's really important so can you let me know what you think the most important thing is in office management to maintain that can be in terms of skills, personality, physical things, virtual things, what do you think is is important to maintain? I think the first thing that comes to mind is something that one of my first managers drilled into me, and that's to always have a solution. So, and I try and also imply that to my personal life, but there's always going to be problems, and especially as an office manager, problems are always going to arise. But it it was drummed into me for years that whenever you're presenting a problem to someone, already have the solution in your back pocket to be able to preempt all of those questions that they might have and just be more solutions driven rather than focusing on the issue at hand and, and it, it helps you you know it helps you take things less personally um, it helps you I think it, it helps you fix things quicker it just always having that solution and always you know I absolutely love it when I can preempt one of Charles's questions I think we've worked together so long now that I, I think I can often read his mind he can probably often read mine as well but it's it's like a little power moment isn't it when you're kind of you're going with a with a proposal and he's about to ask me something I'm like look, 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 scroll down <laughs> three lines down I've already answered that um, so it's always having a solution always preempt questions and I think working on your black book and again this can kind of apply to home life as well you know as I said I live on my own and and um, I bought my first property two years ago and I've really learned the hard way that you know you can't rely on a landlord anymore so when you know when my shower randomly stops working who do I call I don't have a black book of a plumber that I trust or and so over the last two years in my personal and my professional life I've been trying to build that up which obviously the office management group is phenomenal at and the network that it provides and also you know the awards as well that I went to a couple of weeks ago just so that you know that you've got people to fall back on and you've got a network to you know and, and the times and it's often you have to you think outside of the box as an office manager you've always got someone that you can go to like an example that came up this week our company website has I don't know why it's blocked on O2 phones um, so I'm currently, one of the big projects I'm working on at the moment is rolling out company mobile phones. We've never had them before. And it's a much bigger project than I expected it to be, to be honest, we're at the tail end of it. Um, but we've ended up going with O2. And it's come to my attention that for whatever reason, our, our company website is blocked and it's coming up as if it's age restricted. And I obviously know that's not accurate. It, there's nothing on the website that, that should be blocked. So obviously I go to our IT partner and they just said it's nothing to do with us. They didn't do our website. You know, you need to go to O2. It must be a glitch on O2. I've gone to O2. There's nothing they can do. Okay, now what do I do? And I ended up reaching out to, we had a Squarespace expert help us just slightly modernize our people page maybe a month ago. And I ended up just reaching out to him and just said, do you think there's just a glitch in, in Squarespace that it might be that? And he's come back to me with answers. And so it, it's just always, I, I think it's that, you know, the solution is not always the obvious one. So if you're working on your black book and you're building up enough of these networks and these contacts, there's always someone you can go to and there's always someone you can call. Totally. And it's those experts and those people at your fingertips in personal life as well. Like you say, like the plumber, hopefully you found someone. <laughs> I've now got a brilliant plumber. Shout out to oh. <laughs> Shout out to all these people today. Yeah, it's so hard. I've got I've got a builder called Richie who comes and does bits for me, but I live on my own 
bar when my son's here with me and it's really difficult I mean I've just had a wasp nest extinguished today because I had a wasp nest in my shed and it looked like it was going to be massive it was in a bag Anyway, they've, they've come out today and it was actually quite small. It's only about 30, 40 wasps, but they can hold 10,000 at their peak. Yeah. Mm. So I'm glad I got to that early, but it's just, it's all these things that you have to do in mm. and out of the office um, that, yeah, very, very important to, like you say, maintain that um, that network and also that having the the solution um, alongside the problem because you, you go to your manager with just a problem, it's not particularly helpful for them. So trying to be... Um, much more proactive and using initiative to present problem and solution or solution options is, is really key. So I really, really like that advice. I've actually got one other tip, sorry. I think it's quite a worthy one of saying, um, is not to be afraid to say no or to push back. Mm. I think very common in our industry, especially if you're doing your job really well, people are going to rely on you to do certain things and they might, you know, they might push the boundaries a little bit and ask you to do things that they could certainly do themselves or there's a lot of that. I think don't be afraid to, you know, build up that confidence and build up that it's self-worth to actually, you know, professionally so, but push back and say no and also say when you don't agree with something, you know, you don't always have to get your way and you're not always going to be right. But if, if you fundamentally think something, it's the wrong, it's the wrong decision, you know, that that's the wrong supplier to go with, or, you know, that's the wrong software solution. I, you know, I've, I've actually gone out to the market and, and I've spoken to 15 of them. I think that's the wrong decision. Say it and don't be afraid to. Yeah. And people may turn around and say, that's the decision done. It's, you know, thanks for your input, but no thanks kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's so important to voice that. So to finish off then, where is your career heading? What's, what is in the future for you, Caroline? I think the easy answer to this is I want to be number one in terms of operations, whether that's COO, whether that's chief of staff, which is obviously a new title that, you know, that's getting a lot of attraction at the moment. I've made it very clear from day one at Valesco that that's the goal. Um, and so Valesco and Shiraz and have been you know working together to kind of how do we get me there it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow but that is the ultimate goal in terms of how I get there I've got to the point now and I hope it doesn't sound arrogant to say but I'm very good at my job and I know what I'm doing I know what I'm doing as an office manager and I'm sure there's always going to be you know new fires to fight that I haven't fought before but I know I can do it the element that I'm missing because I'm still relatively young or I like to feel that I'm relatively young is you know I don't have the experience or the wisdom to be able to look far ahead i've never been at a company at its early stages and watched it grow to 100 people so i can't at this stage significantly influence strategy which is obviously a key piece that you need to be able to do to be chief of staff or coo so that's something that i'm definitely turning my focus to you know i, I had a brilliant review this year for 2023 with the board of directors that was it was absolutely glowing and i was incredibly grateful for it um i was also very, very lucky enough to be the winner of Hybrid Office Manager of the Year a couple of weeks ago at the wonderful Office Management Awards. And if anyone is listening, by the way, please, please enter them. It was just the most incredible night. And I think it was two, three weeks ago now, and I am still absolutely on cloud nine about it. Like, as soon as I got that award, I thought, right, what next? What next do I need to do in my career that means that I can be worthy of applying to this this time next year and worthy of potentially being on this stage next year? So, 
yeah, I'm turning my sights now to trying to be a little bit more strategic. You know, what kind of qualifications do I need to get under my belt? Do I need to do, is it something, is it an MBA or a mini MBA like your excellency does? Or is, do I need to upskill myself? Do I need an actual HR qualification that I don't currently have? Or do I actually need to go more down because I want to be CEO of Valesco? Do I actually need to go more down a financial route and kind of understand basic investment fundamentals? That's where my head's at now, while also maintaining, you know, the, the day-to-day office manager, operations manager role. But I want to get to a point where I can I can sit at the table with C suite and and input in strategy and impact growth. I think admins in general, I think, can unfortunately sometimes be overlooked um, and their impact can be undermined because we're not revenue generating. But I passionately feel that without us, those who are revenue generating wouldn't be able to be. We we enable you to be the best person you are. And so while you can't quantify the the impact and, you know, quite frankly, the, the profit that you bring to a company, it's there. And so I want to get to a point where I can make that actually more quantifiable. Yeah, and CRO is such a lovely transition, I think, from operations office manager facilities manager if, if the facilities manager role isn't strictly facilities because some have that title and actually there are more office management um role and re- remit based but the coo role was definitely the one that i had my my sights on before i set the business up because it just it just has so much variety and it's still that day-to-day thing where you are potentially still overseeing the operations office management side the hr side the finance side compliance you know legal um tech there'll be you know pay accounts payable receivable payroll there'll be so many different elements potentially marketing and pr and client services you know customer services they all typically sit under the coo type banner so yeah it still has that that flavor and that variety that that we seek as office managers and which is why we're, we're drawn to these kind of roles and i don't think it's arrogant can i just say um to say that you're good at your job and you now have an award to to confirm and validate that but also things like your amazing appraisals and the fact that you've got this support and the backing of your executives to try and get you to that position um speaks volumes I had to be arrogant in order to set this business up (laughs) there was no way that I could do all of the things that I've done over the last seven years if there wasn't a degree of me backing myself and as much as I've had imposter syndrome and doubt over the years as to whether I can do it and I still get it sometimes you know especially when you're feeling low and you're burnt out and things like that I've had it an awful lot over the last couple of weeks and it's starting to come back up again my confidence in myself and what I can do but we all get it where you have those fluctuations but I think it's so important when you know you are good at something when you know you're a good office manager to really hold that close to your heart and to you know I, I think I talked about it on a podcast um it might have been with the one with Steph actually um and it was where one of my coaches had said to me you know what evidence do you have that you're not good what evidence do you have that you can't do it? Well, actually, all the yeah. evidence, particularly with you, is saying that you are good. So so I don't think it's arrogant at all. Well, thank you. And likewise, I think you're absolutely phenomenal. What you do, I, there, there's nothing else like the office management group out there. You know, there's, they're, it, they're starting to become more EA. I haven't paid her. <laughs> they are, they're starting to become more EA, PA networks. And they're all fantastic, by the way. But 
the niche with being an office management group is just so helpful and the network and I was I was on the phone uh, last week with it was a reference for a contractor that we're thinking of hiring and she's kind of my counterpart at her company in operations and she was asking me something and I just said have you heard of the office management group she said, no what's that and I was explaining what it was and she was even googling it on the phone she said oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> so thank you um yeah and that's and why we you. called it the omg as well <laughs> that's true that's true i like it <laughs> oh honestly it's a pleasure it's my pleasure and i am going to now say thank you very much to you for your time and for being a, a, i really loved chatting and getting to know you much more caroline so thank you for sharing you. your stories and your you won't believe it but that's another classic <laughs> at the top of my favorites list so thank you Thank you so much. And thank you to all the lovely listeners who've lasted this long. <laughs> you got to the end. Well done. You're still here. <laughs> no, I think there's been some great tips in there. So thank you. And I will see you very soon. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the Office Management Portal, our free online membership platform aimed at connecting, supporting and empowering office managers in a simple to use all in one self-service resource. You can sign up right now at www.theofficemanagementportal.com and click the sign up button in the top right. If you want to upgrade your account to our premium membership at any time for unlimited downloadable templates and monthly expert masterclasses, use the code THEOMD for 25% off. That's the T-H-E-O-M-D for Office Manager Diaries for 25% off. Thank you for listening.